Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 116, and today we're going behind the story. I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And for our Behind the Story episodes, we like to talk to creative professionals across industries to unpack their journey. And today we're going to hear the story behind Graham Reed, indie developer. Welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me again. This is great. Yeah, Graham was on our mid-season podcast live stream back in 2021. Uh, we had to double check that date, but it was yeah. 2021. So it's been a while and we're looking forward to hearing what you've been up to since the last time we spoke. So for everyone listening, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, you can also send feedback and questions to feedback at mymatter.com uh, or follow them at us on social media. We are at mymatter on Twitter, at mymattertv on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on all the above. You can also join our Studio 77 Discord to be part of the My Matter universe and meet others in the community. Uh, you can consider becoming a Studio 77 member to support the work that we do at My Matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork as well. And we've got news on both of those coming up. Uh, so let's find out what has been happening in the My Matter universe. <laughs> We are working on some bits in the background. So we've got uh, a story that is actually not a My Matter story, but uh, comes out of the My Matter universe. We're working with the financial education charity MyBank on a new story for their primary school program. So it's a story around energy efficiency, gas safety, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a while since we've worked with them. So creating new stories, new characters. Uh, we're working on a story for our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign, which is going to be detailing the campaign from the perspective of the My Matter universe. That's uh, been interesting to put together. And then we're going to turn that into a resource pack. So another interesting challenge where it's a manga, but it's also a resource pack with things that are relevant for uh, the games industry and the campaign that we've been running this year. But don't forget, we also have our manga from the universe, our latest story, Serious Through the Fog which is a story about a pandemic made during the pandemic and features Blake Sirius having to navigate that kind of scenario, keep his business going and just navigate all the craziness that's happening uh, around him. So based on true events, pretty much. So that's all the manga stuff. Uh, with our Studio 77 activities, uh, we have had, by the time you're listening to this, our September episode of casual conversations with comic creators so this is a monthly or thereabouts uh, chat with a different comic creator so i'll be speaking to a different creator each month to uncover the human behind the artwork so talking about the craft of creating comics and this month i've been talking with scottish based comic creator chris manson um, so you can catch those live streams on our Twitch channel each month. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next one in October. And uh, we also have this month's Games Night. So we're looking at doing a Minecraft Games Night on Thursday, the 29th of September with Tazzy and Studio 77 members. Uh, so the live streams start from 7 p.m. And you can check us out playing that game. We play different games each month and put the highlights up on our YouTube channel. So you can check those out as well. And speaking of live streams, we are back with Gamepad Online, but with a difference. So mark your calendars, November the 19th, which is a Saturday, we are bringing back the online version of our Gamepad event, but we'll be producing a live stream in studio at Samsung KX. So if you can work that out. Uh, so we're going to bring everything in-house, produce it in their space, in their very nice space. We did an event there earlier in the year, and we're going to return for this new type of Gamepad format and you can join us so you can be part of the studio audience for the next gamepad online you can cheer on the teams in our gamepad esports league as they play across overcooked mario strikers and knockout city so that is the uh, the tournament where we have teams from different communities or organizations uh, take part in a friendly ish kind of competition with some prizes and if you've seen past Gamepad Online events, you also know that we do interviews and panels with games industry professionals. So we're going to be doing that 
also live. So that means that you'll get a chance to put your questions to uh, our interview guests. So tickets are available now at gamepad.events. Uh, seating is limited, so make sure you are quick and get in there and join us for the first ever Gamepad Online in-studio production. So we're looking forward to that one. And then we've also got our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign. So this is the campaign that we launched earlier in the year, promoting diversity and inclusion in the games industry. Uh, so you can check out the website, looklikeagamer.com, to see the photo campaign that we launched with and meet the 40 people showcasing diversity in video games for our 2022 campaign. Uh, we've also done a series of events, some live stream events, some in-person. You can catch the live stream launch segments on YouTube. Uh, and get involved with the campaign because we have things to come. So this is especially if you're a young or aspiring games professional, uh, you want to get involved. So at the moment, you can share the story of how you got into video games as part of the campaign. So record and upload your own video message, share it on Twitter, on Instagram, TikTok, uh, tag us, tag MyMatter, tag Tazzy on social media, and use the hashtag #LookLikeAGamer, and we'll look out for and amplify those stories. And then we have the last campaign event of 2022 which is going gonna, gonna to be helpful if you've uh, when, ever wondered how to tell your parents that you want to work in games. Uh, so we're going to be at Gravity in Wandsworth, which is South London, on Wednesday, the 26th of October. So this is going to be a games careers event focused on parents and educators trying to get them to have a better understanding of how games are made from the people who make them. So we'll be bringing in different professionals at different stages of the game making and promotion um, process. Uh, and then we'll be ending the event with a family esports tournament in Gravity's esports lounge area. So the event is going to start at 11 a.m. So it's during half term. So you don't have school. Maybe parents have got work. I don't know. Figure something out come down and uh, learn something about the the games industry uh, so the 2022 campaign is proudly sponsored by rocksteady studios and splash damage uh, and their support has meant that we've been able to put these events on for people to come and attend for free so uh, thank you to, for them uh, for supporting that is pretty much where we're at with the biomatter universe as we look towards the end of the year uh, now let's go behind the story with today's guest. We have Graham here, who is a one-man studio that is named after himself. Graham of Legend, <laughs> Jamaican game developer, coming from an arts and design background. Graham prioritizes visuals in his work, striving to create games that visually stand out in the industry and feel like an evolution of what's come before his time as a developer. His goal is to create stunning and memorable visual experiences for people to enjoy and immerse themselves in. So, what does creativity mean to you? I said it was an easy question. <laughs> yeah, I may have lied. <laughs> yeah, I think it did. <laughs> yeah, so creativity, I feel like, is such a, such a big thing to answer in one sentence, but... To me personally, I think it's just trying to, it's just expressing yourself, really. It's like me trying to get what's in my mind out, on, in, out into the world, like whether it's through arts or it's just through music, through anything. I think that's just creativity. It's just letting, letting yourself go. Nice. You answer that pretty easily. <laughs> I just, well, well <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it was a good answer. <laughs> So, yeah, let's go into the the bulk of the interview. So you're on our 2021 mid-season podcast live stream, which feels mm -hmm. like a lifetime ago. Yeah, it, it feels like <laughs> a solid three years ago, but it really was just last year. Right. And since then, you've left your job at Snapchat to go full-time indie, which is amazing. But what was the thinking behind that decision and how has it gone over the past year? Honestly, it's been it's been a while, right? Like. I was at Snapchat for about six years before, and it just became like when, when I even started, I hadn't actually planned to take on a full-time job. I wanted to go full-time indie from 2015, but then it was Snapchat like coming up into its prime and I couldn't pass it the opportunity. But then, you know, this also was just six years, like six whole years of my life. And I feel like at a certain point, especially after like over those six years, I got married and I had a son. And then the pandemic happened and it was just like, yeah, I'm, 
I'm completely burnt out at this point. I need I need a change. And I've saved up enough, thankfully. So I just bit the bullet and just decided to go full time. And then since then, it's it's been over a year now. And for the most part, it's been good. Like it was kind of hard in the first couple of months because I was, it's not like, oh, I can just leave the burnout behind with, with Snapchat. Like, no, I had to take that with me and process it and deal with it. And then I think once I kind of gradually eased myself out of that of that feeling and rested and, you know, got family time and all that stuff. I think now it's been, I'm finally starting to find my stride and how I want to operate as a one-man studio, as you said. Mm. Yeah, it's been, it's been, for the most part, it's been good. Has that sort of been how you expected it to go? Um, has it been easier or harder? I didn't expect the the burnout part. <laughs> and no one really, no one really plans for that. No. But now, now that I'm like, not that I'm a year in, I'm like, okay, I can see the, the path clearly now. Like I can better prepare myself for any other obstacles that come up that I wouldn't want necessarily. And yeah, there's been a, 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 couple, a couple of pleasant surprises, I would say. Okay. Um, I want to hear a bit about uh, how your journey started. So you're based in New York, but you're originally, bought, mm-hmm. you're originally from Jamaica. What led you to move to America? Well, yeah, so born and raised in Jamaica and went to high school and everything. And then I went to a college called the Savannah College of Art and Design, which is now just called SCAD, and that's in Georgia. And so that was what led me to come to America in the first place. Um, and even then, it was I'd, I'd go back home every single break, every summer, every... They had like a little Easter break, and it was a quarter system. So mm. it was like the the fall quarter, instead of semesters, it was fall quarter, which is just 10 weeks. And then the winter quarter, and then it stopped right by Easter perfectly because, of course, in Jamaica, it's like the British system. So we actually do celebrate Easter, not like the Easter bunny, but like the Christian Easter. <laughs> you don't have an Easter bunny in your... I mean, we know of the Easter bunny because America, but... <laughs> okay, you're just not that close with the Easter bunny is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. It's not what we. <laughs> it's not what Easter means. Easter, funny enough, in Jamaica is like it's Easter Sunday and all that stuff, and then it's also Carnival. <laughs> okay, it's a complete like opposite. Do you have chocolate? <laughs> yeah, that's the key question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> but I never. I never. Until I came here, I never thought about Easter and chocolate together. Uh, that's all. You at we least think have about. like. Well, I'm just going to assume that you have good food because, I mean... Yeah, yeah, of course. That's a, Always. A <laughs> yeah. Always, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like I was I was going home at, at all those all those breaks. And so once I'd finished with school, the only two places that it made sense for me to go was either New York or LA. Because I studied motion graphics and that's where most of the industry was and either one of the coasts. Or of course, move to like another country, but... That just seemed daunting at the time. Um, and so I picked New York because it was closer to home. Like, I think the flight from L.A. to to Jamaica is more more than six hours. So I was like, yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and also, I had a lot of friends that were moving to New York, too. So I just decided that's where I was going to go and see if it worked out. And it has. I would never regret moving here. My voice has been the, the best place in the States for me to live. Hi. So tell us about your introduction to games. Like what was your first game or a standout gaming memory? I think my introduction to games was from my dad. Like he used to, back in the the PC floppy disk days, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you guys know what floppy disks are, you guys mean your audience. Yeah, you know what? A lot of people aren't going to know what that is. Yeah, uh, go, Google like, it. Uh, Wikipedia. Well, so what? A yeah. a go to a museum. Literally a three and a half by what? What? I don't know what the size was. It's like a little. It's before CDs, before flash drives. Like I don't disc. know if they even know what CDs are at this point. Yeah, no, we're going to have to explain. <laughs> that. Yeah, oh, no. Just, there used to be a time where things were stored physically on media, and I feel so old right now. <laughs> Making 31 feel like a mansion. Jeez. <laughs> it's not us, it's technology. It moves very quickly. It's it, it, yeah, it, it's ex- ex- accelerating very rapidly. But yeah, so from those days, way back in the dawn of man, apparently, <laughs> I, I remember that just having, I didn't know where got these from, to be honest, just games on floppy disks, just like a, a whole bunch of games. I remember playing those, but the first standout memory I have was... I think for my fourth birthday, he walked in with like a, a Super Nintendo 
and they set it up and they played Super Metroid and they couldn't even pass the first level. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I think I gave my cousin, I gave one of my cousins the Super Metroid and he gave me Super Mario World. And then that's been my favorite game ever since. Nice. So yeah, started from us four from way back. Yeah, I love that. I've, I've got a, a SNES somewhere uh, with Super Mario World on. Nice. <laughs> So you studied at Savannah College of Art and Design. What was that educational experience like for you? It was great. What, what, what I came to learn about college, at least with my experience, was that the, the most beneficial thing, especially, especially having the internet in, in college, like I can't imagine going to college before the internet. That just sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> but for me, the, the best part in terms of the education was having professors who were actually had worked in the industry and they could actually guide us as to what we needed to, to look out for, like have the right skills, understand how to network, how to sell yourself, like all that stuff. Because I mean, honestly, with motion graphics and even with game development, because I never studied that at all. I just learned it on YouTube. But with motion graphics, a lot of the, the skills and techniques I learned, like in After Effects and Cinema 4D, I learned all that just by watching tutorials online. And then the teachers, my professors would guide us as to understand what quality looks like and what, what good quality looks like. Because, I mean, there's so many people who are technically proficient. Like, they can do some things that I can't even begin to understand how they do. But it still looks bad because they just weren't taught what's good quality from what's not. And I think that's the most valuable thing I got from college. And, I mean, outside of that, just the experience of... I think some of my closest friends I've found through through college. So it was just this fun all around. That sounds like a really like great experience that you you got to have yeah. there. Oh, and in in high school, again, like I said, Jamaica we follow the British system. So you had grade one or you had kindergarten to like grade six, and then you had first to fifth form, and then lower six and upper six. And I really didn't like high school. I hated it. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who I love learning, but I hate like standardized like testing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And if it's just something I don't care to learn, like it's really hard for me to actually learn it. And so going to college and actually got to pick what I wanted to learn, that was like a game changer for me. Because I always thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to hate school no matter what. And then once I actually got to do things I cared about, I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> maybe it's just it's not me. It's, it's, it's the system, you know? Mm. That's really interesting. Not me, like, it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel there's a lot of people like that in, in school where it's like having, you know, being forced to learn things, especially things that are quite separate. But if it's things that you pick, say like, you know, we're talking games and you can do all sorts of subjects within the context of gaming. Like if you pitch it like that, but when it's something they're sort of forced to learn and it doesn't, there's no context to it, then I feel there's a lot of people who feel like the same way as you did. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like, just because of culture and society, it's just forced upon you anyway. And I, I hate it. And it's, it's always funny to me now because I used to hate math, but then I use math every day now. I was like, oh, well, when am I ever going to use math? And now it's like, oh, I'm programming the a whole game. <laughs> That's one of the things that frustrates me as well about like the, the current school system. Is it like kids naturally love learning? But the yeah. question that kids, all, especially teenagers, always ask in lessons that they don't enjoy is, when am I ever going to use this? Because yep, yep. the lessons are never structured in a way that's like a practical, applicable way. And if they are, they're in like a really boring way. Like, John went to the shops and bought some sweets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you're like, if he gave Stacy five, like, no. That's, <laughs> that's flashbacks. <laughs> I bet they're using the same uh, questions now. And it's like, well, you can't get sweets so that much anyway. Yeah, so. I know. Right? It's like, <laughs> you need to teach about inflation first before I answer this question. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get back on track. <laughs> um so i asked you how you first got into games as a whole but what was the like aha moment of you could make games when did you sort of discover like wow i can actually be part of making these well so at, at scad they had a game development course but i don't know why for some reason i just wasn't interested in 
in taking that. I think it at that time I think I thought it was just all about programming and I didn't really have any interest in it then. I mean honestly I'd have an interest in programming now, but I just do it because <laughs> I have to. <laughs> but then one of my other friends from Jamaica, this guy named Robert Morrison, he he was at SCAD in the game design course in twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve in my in my last year of college, he invited me to do the global game jam with him. And then me and um, some other friends back home, we all decided to, we all just did it. And it, it wasn't hard. <laughs> like, I mean, a game jam in general isn't a hard thing to do. It's just, oh, you, you spend the weekend and you make a game. It's usually crappy. It might have a good idea, but you, you, you made a game. You, know, you made it and people played it and it's fun. And then all of us at that point were like, oh, the games aren't just like things you can, you have to join a big studio to do anymore. You don't have to be part of Nintendo or Sony or whoever. You can just form a team with like three people and just download an engine, go on YouTube and learn some stuff and you can make a game. And since then, it was that I think that was a big change for me in, this, in my whole career trajectory. Yeah. So just uh, for our audience that might not be so familiar with game jams, can you just explain a little bit what a game jam is? Yeah, of course. So a game jam essentially is... A small, you, you, you come together with a team or even by yourself and make a game within a small amount of time. It's typically, you have game jams for like 48 hours, 72 hours. Some of them are like a week. But the whole purpose is, it's not really to make a big commercial game or anything. It's just to, it's just for the experience of making a game from the ideation, ideation phase all the way through to completing it and making people play it. And it's just something something fun to do it's like you, you can get a lot of ideas out of game jams um you can meet i met a lot of people through just doing game jams and partnering with random people that i would have never met otherwise like it's a i would strongly recommend especially if you're just starting out to try game jams thank you and then what was the, the reaction from uh sort of like parents and family and the people around you when you made that decision that you wanted to make games um, I, th- I think it was, it never really seemed like they minded specifically because it wasn't, I wasn't doing that full time yet. So they always just saw that as something I was doing on the side, like for fun. Because before, like once I moved to New York, I was freelancing for most of the time up until joining Snapchat. And then once I joined Snapchat, I had a full time steady income job. So me making games was just like an additional, oh yeah, Graham loves making games, but that's not like, we're not worried about him going off to do that ha 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 little did they know <laughs> <laughs> um but i think now now that i've had time to especially my parents like educate them about you know that it, it can be a lucrative career and also it's my passion like I, they're always they've always been supportive of me which I, I really appreciate about them and my wife my wife too my wife had never not once looked out looked at me like funny for playing games making games anything like that otherwise she wouldn't be my wife <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't argue with that logic. Especially in the 2010s, like being a game developer hasn't, it's not like a big foreign concept anymore. I think in back in Jamaica, it is still because it's just because people just don't know that that's a thing you can do. And that's one of the things that I kind of want to help to change. Like as much as I'm based in New York now, I still want to help the Jamaican community grow. So that people don't have to come all the way to America or all the way to wherever the, the a good bustling game community is just to even learn about what that is, you know? It's great that you do want to sort of like lay that path out that you didn't necessarily have or knew was there. So I think that's amazing. We're big fans. <laughs> Thank you. It, it, it's, it's funny that Nigel introduced me as a graphic designer because that's what I actually went to college to do because that's all I knew. I was like, oh. Graphic design, yeah, I can, I can do that. <laughs> and then I learned about motion graphics, which I didn't even... like. Of course, when you watch TV, you, you see motion graphics every single day. Even YouTube has like, all oh, that's motion mm. graphics. But no one actually knows that's what it's called. It's just an ad or something. Yes. And so, yeah, I want, I want people to actually understand that there's more than just, you know, doctor, lawyer, artist. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, oh... Uh, Sort of like one more thing about first discovering um, games. What was the best advice that you got when you was starting out? And did you follow it? Hmm. Best advice I got. 
I mean, honestly, it's probably just the general advice that you typically hear from most people, including myself, like just start small. And I did follow it. I I started by making, it was the 2014, like the first game made, made by myself. It was for the 2014 World Cup. It was a game called World Cup Pong. And it was essentially like a twist on, on Pong. And then once the World Cup was done, I kind of pivoted and changed that into my first game called Hectic Cube, which was essentially if you took Pong, but instead of you controlling the, the bar, the bar is now the target you have to hit. And then you just shot bullets at the ball. And it was like a very simple idea. And it was, it was small. It was easy for me to make. And I learned a lot. And then it was something I could also do. At that point, I started at Snapchat. So it was something I could have done nights and weekends while working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I did follow it. Because a lot of people, they tend to, they, when they decide to make games, they're like, oh, I'm going to make a big like Grand Theft Auto clone <laughs> or something. I say, like, no, you, you can't you can't start there. Like you might you might even get there even if you're like the most experienced developer. That's not that's not how this works. <laughs> you have to you have to start small. Yeah, that would definitely be me. I would I wouldn't follow the advice advice. And this is why I don't make <laughs> video games. <laughs> I just talk to people that do. <laughs> um so having now left Snapchat what are the pros and cons around working a day job in games versus creating your own company? So obviously, just to get it out of the way, the big pro working a day job is that steady paycheck. <laughs> like I, I do miss getting paid every, what was it every two weeks? Like I think at one point, once once all you know, once all the the bills were secured and everything, there there were times when I didn't even have to check my bank account because I knew that yeah we're we're covered we're good that's a good feeling and now i have to make sure that like i have to make sure that every every time i spend money on anything i have to you know double check the accounts make sure we're good and i mean i'm, I'm we're, we're like i said because i because we saved up enough for me to make this this transition we we're still fine but it's not that level of fine where i just knew that whatever i spent it would come back in the next two weeks so that to me is the biggest <laughs> pro of having a full-time job working for someone else um but outside of that like i i honestly love working for myself a lot and not even just for myself but i love i love working b- both freelance because i am doing some freelance on the side freelance and working for myself just because of the freedom and flexibility it gives me and yeah it's, it's just it's just a good feeling to control your time and control what you work on and when you work on it and of course the downfall is no steady paycheck <laughs> not yet <laughs> It will come. It will come. <laughs> it will come. Yeah. And one 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 thing I realized is like I mean I knew this in theory, but having lived it now, it's one thing to to be like, oh yeah, I'm an indie game developer, but it's it's a whole other thing to be like I'm a business owner. Like a lot of people, I don't think they think about it from that aspect. Hmm. Like I have to run my business. I have to do taxes. I have to make sure that whatever I'm making is profitable. So I can't just get up and make whatever little weird niche game I want to make. Like I have to make sure it's actually something that people want to play as well. Like yeah, you have to do a lot of checks and balances with yourself. And so that part, like I said, I knew in theory, but it's actually living it. it, it it's, it's, um, it's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us a bit about Super Space Club. What stage is it at now? And what can we look forward to? It's a super space club. <laughs> it's I, I I love working this game so much, but I feel like it's been too long at this point. And at the same time, it hasn't been long enough because it when when I started again, I started at Snapchat, but it was just me working nights and weekends. And sometimes there'd be periods of time, like a month or two or three, where I just didn't get to work on it. And so even though I did start it back in twenty nineteen, I believe. I haven't even, it's not like I've put in a consistent three years of work on it. So it's, it's been, I don't know, I'd call it like five months, six months of work at this point. But outside of that, Super Space Club is a dope little arcade game where, where you play as a, a cast of anthropomorphic space pilots. And your goal is simply to protect the world from devastation. And it's like an endless gun. It has roguelike, roguelike elements. It's just a a beautiful visual lo-fi beats with cool rap vocals 
It's just everything you'd want to play for two minutes to two hours. And it's coming soon, TM. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I, I, was telling, I was telling Nigel, I'm actually, so my birthday is in October, it's on October 3rd. And I'm planning to release a demo for the next Steam Fest. So people can finally get their hands on it after. I think the last time people properly played it in public was before the pandemic started. So, yeah, that, that's something you can look forward to. October 3rd. October 3rd. Put mm-hmm. that in your diary. <laughs> Grandma's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> the best present anyone can give me is to just play the game and wish it on Steam. There you go. Yeah. So, what have you learned from past projects or employment that you've been able to bring to your work now? Why are you asking me all these hard questions? <laughs> uh, blame Nigel. He gives them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, why are you writing all these hard questions? <laughs> <laughs> Trying um, to make you think. I mean, it's, it's not even that. There's just so much I've, I've learned over the past decade, I would say. Um, I don't even know where to start answering this question i mean it's just how to i think what one of the main things i've learned is just how to work with people and it's understanding people because even me working by myself is still not fully by myself you know i still the the guys who are doing all my music and sound design um this team called fat bird and they're really sick and then whenever i have to go and like showcase the game i have to interact with people i have to it's just it's a lot of interacting with other people, which I don't think people realize. Even if you're just a one man one man team or one person team, and yeah, just oh, to, to go back to a previous question, I don't miss having meetings every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't miss the Zoom calls, the Google Google Meets. I don't miss any of that. But one one thing that that came from having so many meetings it's like just again just 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 people skills understanding just people yeah i think i think that's probably one of my biggest takeaways like i'm I'm happy i didn't i went through working at a big company to have that kind of experience and presenting projects to people all throughout the the scale i guess yeah there's too much too many things i've learned guys okay just like highlighting something yeah it's good enough for me i don't know about nigel but <laughs> i mean i can i can keep going for another two hours if you want me <laughs> so we sort of like you mentioned earlier on about how there's a lot of things that people might not really realize you need to do as a solo developer but what are some mm. of the non-technical skills that keep you occupied well so there's a lot of a lot of emails like if, if you want a publisher, for example, or if you want to get into a game festival or a showcase or anything, yeah, there's a lot of back and forth emailing and you have to actually, like, it's not like in my inbox, all these things are coming. Like people aren't coming to me saying, hey, Graham, do you want to put your game in our showcase? Like I have to keep a track of all of those things. Of course, like I said, there's a business side where... I need to make I need to manage my money and make sure that the company it doesn't go bankrupt. <laughs> um, I have to manage my time and and working as a solo indie like when I'm not working in the game like no one's working in the game it, it just comes to a complete standstill. Where whereas it was great the last game jam I did I was working with a friend who used to always used to work at Snapchat and he he's a great engineer his name is Jeff Johnson and. It was so cool to come back and see work done. <laughs> and then he would he would like he would bounce and go have dinner or something and come back and then he'd see new visual assets. And that part I, I do wish I had more of as opposed to just everything falling on me. But yes, that's one thing. Like you have to always take into consideration if I'm not working in the game, then nothing's happening on it. And then there's the whole promotion side of things. I I also have to make all the trailers all the game assets all that stuff and of course you can you can pay different people or different teams to handle all this stuff for you which is another consideration but a lot of people just think oh especially if they watch like in the game the movie or something they just think oh yeah you make the game and then you put it out and it blows up and that's not that couldn't be further from the truth yeah i hear that though a lot when you're having to do everything yourself it's it's a lot yeah i'm, I'm honestly surprised like when i think when i actually sit and think about it 
I'm surprised at how much I actually do get done. And I'm not mm. sure how I do it. <laughs> when, when I write out, it sounds like too much, but somehow I've been managing, question mark. <laughs> Have you ever had that thing where people ask you what you do and you, you reel it out and then you, you say, whoa, that sounds like a lot. Like <laughs> until you say it out loud, it's like. <laughs> yeah, all, all the time. Especially because I, I started a YouTube channel this year too, which I mean, I've only posted two videos and then I, you know, life happened. <laughs> But doing YouTube on top of this, it's just been like, well, why, why, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> why yeah, I don't know why you decided to start a YouTube channel on top of developing a game. Because Well, I mean, to answer your very first question is creativity. That's just how I want to express <laughs> myself, you know? <laughs> this is understandable, yeah. It is not, it's definitely not easy, though. But, it's, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It's easier than game development. So I think <laughs> being a game developer <laughs> has taught me that most things are easier than game development uh, like being a solo <laughs> dev yeah mm. so um that nicely leads me on to my next question uh is making games as fun as you expected when you first got the idea and absolutely yeah do you want to go more into that but <laughs> what was the second part of your question <laughs> the second part was where does uh, reality match expectations and where is it different okay um yeah absolutely like i i feel like i've thankfully i feel like i've found my or one of my passions like i actually truly love making games and i i love i think what i love the most is actually seeing people play it and just actually enjoying the experience having a good time and i i know how much games mean to me and how much games have helped me get through in life and just being able to provide that for people is a dream come true the reality i don't i don't think i was ever fooled into thinking that it would be something easy to do like at the end of the day once i decided to do this full-time it became a job but it's a job that i want to do and choose to do it's like it's like the school thing like i know that when i went to college i had to still show up and do good work and get good grades and whatever but it was something actually I chose myself to do, you know, and mm. I think that the reality and the expectations were reasonably aligned, thankfully. And I can tell it's something you're passionate about by how quickly yeah. <laughs> you answered yes <laughs> when they asking if it's fun. I don't think I actually finished the sentence. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, it's all right. I love it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think. I think to, to, to make games, you really have to be passionate about it because there's so many, I can name like 10 easier ways to make money right now. And games are, maybe, maybe I could probably even find 20. Like games aren't the easiest way to make money by any means. Even though people will see like, oh yeah, there's like Clash of Clans or Fortnite or something that's making billions of dollars. But that's like the outliers. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of games that exist and only 0.1% of those are actually success like super successful or super profitable mm. i should say say so, i think i think you really have to be passionate to stick with this as a as a career so i want to go into um a bit about diversity and other things so we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion on our platform what does it mean to you and what impact would it bring to the games industry so what does diversity and inclusion mean to me um, I mean, it, it just means having, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I hope this doesn't sound right, but it just means not having just white men make games. <laughs> That's like fair, white yeah. Men. Yeah, like, I, I don't know how else to say that in a nice way. It's just what it is. <laughs> but yeah, just seeing, and not, not only seeing diversity in terms of the people who are making the games, but also what games are about and the, the people who are made or people who are featured in the games. And what the stories are like there's only so many games i want to play about a white male protagonist shooting up the place <laughs> you know like <laughs> you can only do that i mean people can continue that forever and i'm sure it will make money but that's not that doesn't really help to it doesn't expand the medium yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't expand the medium it's not really doing anything it's not moving the needle it's just there to exist i agree yeah so I guess I also want to know where has diversity improved since the time you've been creating games? 
Uh, it's kind of hard for me to say just because it's really just been me doing my own thing. But from what I've seen, like before, especially pre-pandemic, I think I knew maybe three black game developers personally, or even just to, to name them <laughs> in general. And uh, since, you know, like George Floyd and like all, all of all of that stuff happening, there was a lot of different things popping up between like just big companies deciding, oh yeah, we should definitely have like a, a diversity fund or a diversity like inclusion highlight reel or whatever they wanted to do. But then also what what I've loved is there's been um, a Discord that I've been a part of called the Black Voices in Gaming, which is run by Justin Woodward. Um, and he's he's a guy who's one of the guys who started the mix. And yeah, since then I've I've just come to learn that, oh yeah, there's actually a lot of black developers all around the place and we just didn't know each other <laughs> so it's, it's been really it's been really cool finding those other people and uh, i guess expanding our our voices yeah that sounds really great that you're able to connect and find those other black people working in games yeah and the other day not the other day like a month or so ago i i tweeted like a, a long thread of just black game developers just because, you know, follow Friday, here's some cool black people to follow because I'm sure you don't follow them. And then it made me realize, oh, I actually don't know a lot of black women in games. So I had to I had to work on that too. Like I had to actually expand my knowledge on that because, again, we all exist. It's just a matter of finding us and highlighting us. Yeah, definitely. So we've previously interviewed a fellow Jamaican, Glenn Henry, who once, mentioned once Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> who mentioned the Jamaican Game Developer Society. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about it and what role you play? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's simply the Jamaica Game Developer Society is simply just a a place where we try to kind of grow the game industry in Jamaica. We try to keep everybody just afloat on like what's what's what industry trends are and actually just like especially Glenn and I and another guy named Zane we're trying to almost set an example I guess because there there are even some people in there who are still in high school just did their CXC exams or whatever they're called no I don't know <laughs> and yeah we're just trying to set an example and show that this is a val this is a, a valid path for you to go to go down. And also just kind of grow a community in Jamaica because, yeah, growing up, we never had any of that at all. It was like chess club. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think of. There wasn't any, that's the only game related in the club that there ever was. That was a, I don't know if it still is, that was a point where um, chess online was like really popular. I know we're wrong. Chess is dope. It's just, yeah, like, yeah. That's the only thing people thought of when it was like, oh, yeah, any game related. And, club or society that was it was just chess that's it <laughs> i've got that chess app i've been learning i say have i been learning mm, I've i have been like okay. you mentioned this a while like a while yeah, yeah. back so since so i mentioned it i've still been playing i must have learned something in that time I, I feel i learned the basic moves at least i'll believe you i won't because <laughs> i don't really know that much either <laughs> <laughs> it's a timeless game <laughs> Uh, with the uh, Jamaican Game Developer Society, do you have any upcoming projects our listeners should know about? Yes, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we have a, a showcase coming up called the the Windies Direct. And it's, it's, it's not just Jamaica, but it's focused on the entire Caribbean. And what we're trying to do is, again, just put a spotlight on all these Caribbean developers and games that you probably have never heard of. Because, I mean... <laughs> It's funny to even think about, like, most people, I would hope, know Jamaica. But then if you say, like, Martinique or Trinidad and Tobago or anywhere that isn't the Bahamas, I guess, people are like, yo, where is, where is that? Is that in Africa? Like, that's a legitimate oh, question wow. I've gotten before. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's, what? That's not, <laughs> what do you mean? And that's so, actually funny. <laughs> yeah, this, listen, the things I've gotten asked about Jamaica, but it's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're trying to highlight these developers, put their country, just put their country out there, and uh, yeah, just help to further the diversity and and even just show people internally in the country, like the older generations and even the younger generations coming up, that yeah, this is something that 
again, it's just a valuable, a, a valid path that you can take in life. Because mm-hmm. trust me, like <laughs> back back home, people really will question everything you do if it's not one of the main things that they know about. Like I said, like a doctor or a lawyer or something or architect. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll put some some links in show notes, right, Nigel? Yeah. To help people find that easily. Yeah, so if, if you are listening to this and you are of Caribbean dissenters or anything like that, then like it's not just about people who live in the Caribbean, but it's also people who identify as Caribbean. So if you are making a game and you're in a developer, like I'm not <laughs> I'm not looking for like someone, oh yeah, I'm I'm like the I'm a Jamaican that works on Fortnite. Like, no, you need to <laughs> it's focused on on indie specifically yeah definitely check the show notes and hopefully there'll be a link there for you to to submit your game awesome and obviously you mentioned that you did you did start your youtube channel and that you've only got two videos on there (laughs) (laughs) at the moment at the moment there's more coming I, I, i started it back i started making videos again like actually planning and recording stuff this week so more more to come <laughs> okay cool i was just gonna ask you, you what you've got planned and the works for it um and if there's anything you've learned on that journey so far as well yeah youtube is a whole youtube is another whole job like i, I, I don't know why i'm doing this to myself but <laughs> actually like it is it's, it's I think one of the reasons I'm doing this, one of the many reasons I'm doing this is because I like the quick turnaround. Like making a game is such a a long thing. Like even, I should say, making a commercial game is a long thing. Because even on the short end, if I really were to just sit and just focus and make a game, it would still take like five or six months to make something quality. Versus YouTube, it's like, oh, if depending on what kind of video you're making, you can make one every day, you can make it once a week, once every two weeks, depending on what, what whatever your content is. And I do love that quick turnaround. It's like I can put, put stuff out there, I can connect with an audience, I can grow and build a new audience. And I think it's just leveling up all of my, my skills on a whole. And in terms of what I'm planning to put up next, I what, what I plan to cover is just a lot of just behind the scenes on me making games. Lots of stuff on Super Space Club and then just general game development advice, quote unquote advice. So more more like things I've come across and learned. I mean, that is is advice. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't want anyone to come and be like, oh, this is the worst advice I've ever heard. Like, no, it's just it's just my experience. <laughs> I did what you guys. said. And I'm not a millionaire yeah. making games. Yeah, like, nope, nope. It's my experience. I'm just sharing it with you. You take what you want from it. <laughs> I feel like that is some of the best insight is to on just advice in general is you know take everything on and you don't necessarily apply it to right it's not it's not one size fits all right you can only share yeah, it's what not, it's not a formula it's just, it's just it's what it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool well so before we go into create a tip i'm gonna ask you a last question what does success like to you and are you there yet i am not there yet but to me, what success looks like, specifically speaking about Game of Legend, is being able to create freely and consistently without having to, without having to, I guess, like compromise my creative integrity. And yeah, just being able to do this indefinitely. Like I, like you, and I never want to stop making games unless it's just I grow old of it or something. I never want to have to stop because of money or. What have you. Like, I don't need to be a, a billionaire, but I just want to have enough so that, you know, my family's covered and I'm covered and I can just continue to make cool stuff. So now we're going to go into questions part two. <laughs> <laughs> In each interview, we like to ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals. We've been talking video games today. So what advice do you have for our listeners who may want to get started with creating their games or a games studio? Okay. I think my, at least off the top of my head, the advice I I can give, I think would apply not just to games, but just to any creative field. But I would definitely say, don't be afraid to show your work. Like always show your work, even if it's just work in progress, always show what you're working on because what might be work in progress to you might be like a finished product to someone else who really wants to work with you or really wants to buy your project or buy your game or what have you. 
Um, and it's also getting into that habit of sharing. It, it, it makes, when you're finished a game or when you're finished your piece or what have you, it makes it easier to actually release it because there's no there's, there's a, lot, a lot less pressure on you because you have been sharing your journey this whole time. Um, something else is, like I said, start small. And then if you think it's small, start smaller than that because it's probably not small. <laughs> because <laughs> one thing about game development as a career is you have to be able to finish games. It's one thing to have a cool prototype and actually make like a fun vertical slice or something. But if you're not able to actually finish the game without like relatively bug free and actually market it and all that stuff, then you're not really doing this as a career. It's more just like, oh, I'm having fun making this thing and then I put it down somewhere. And so when you start small, there's a lot less risk of not finishing. So yeah, always start smaller than you think is small. And then, you know, if once you get into the swing of things, then you can make, you can try and make the next big AAA rivaling game. <laughs> like that advice. Say. Yeah. <laughs> if you, I feel like I need that written somewhere because <laughs> start small <laughs> start small and if if you start small start smaller than that because it's probably not small i feel like i need that like tattooed into my skin because <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what starting small is yeah i mean it it what what's up just, just keep dialing it back until you can't dial it back anymore and then that's that's small <laughs> awesome I was going to say, I have, I have one more tip. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> share, share the knowledge. <laughs> Just like a fountain of knowledge here. And this, this is, I think this is a pretty big one. Like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but essentially don't give in to imposter syndrome, which if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, that's, that's very fortunate for you. <laughs> it's like, you yeah, you're winning at life. <laughs> I feel like you've heard of us talk about it, at least, oh, if yeah. you don't have first-hand experience. <laughs> Oh, you, you guys do talk about it a lot? It, it comes up. comes up every comes now up and again. <laughs> but there you go. Every, everyone everyone should know what it is then. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, it's hit me in waves and it really sucks. But then I think one moment that really made me realize that I shouldn't let it affect me is one year, I think this was also in 2019, at the Game Does of Color Expo in, in New York. There was a, a guy that came up to me and he was in college. And he he was asking me like all these questions about how to get into the industry and what's my advice for him. And I'm like, why are you asking me? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anybody. But then but I looked at it like from a, like I had an autobody experience. I'm like, Oh, but I am the guy standing here showing my game as if I am the professional because I am the professional. Why am I, why am I feeling like an imposter? Because I actually belong here, you know? Mm. And you always know, like, even if you think you don't know everything, which no one knows everything, you always know more than someone who isn't where you are in your journey yet. Like I know more about, I know more today than I knew yesterday, you know, and there's so many people who are where I was yesterday. And I think that's the best way to look at imposter syndrome. If you ever come across it, like don't, don't compare yourself to the people who have already passed this part of the road. Hmm. Cause you, you'll get there eventually. Yeah, I'm silenced from me and Nigel. It's just us. Yeah, just contemplating that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might need that tattooed on my yeah. skin. <laughs> I'll have the, the small one and you have that one. And then yeah, I yeah. can just like, show each other. Yeah. <laughs> I get a black tattoo, you're never going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, think, I think that's all the tips I can think of now. Like, if I open my, my notion board, all these are essentially YouTube videos I plan to make. So I could just give you the high points of all of my videos. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Subscribe to Graham's YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com slash Graham of Legend. <laughs> but yeah, listeners, you can always give your feedback on the interview and let us know what you think about this like fountain of advice uh, <laughs> that we've been blessed with and you can send your feedback to the email address feedback at mymatter.com do people know what email addresses are that's still a thing right <laughs> uh, just about <laughs> i would hope so <laughs> yeah although judging from our last interns maybe like discord we'll put your discord uh, in oh, here. No. <laughs> <laughs>
So this is the part of the the show where we throw in follow-up questions or random things that don't quite fit anywhere else. So I've got a few, so I'm just going to throw them at you one by one. And one of the things that uh, picked up on, you said surprises, like when you when you left Snapchat, things that have surprised you. So what have been the biggest surprises of your journey since leaving Snapchat? Like things you're like, whoa, I did not expect that to happen. So some of the things I can talk about in detail, some I legally cannot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But one of the things I, can, I can't I can talk about is just how much money there is to be given to people <laughs> in game development. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, I get that. These, these companies are balling, basically. Mm. And it's up to you to do the work and like reach out and try and make these deals happen because it's not just like making money isn't just about apparently it's not just about making a game but there's a lot of other ways through like you know funding or publishing or what have you that you can actually get paid as a developer yeah but yeah companies have a lot of money can't really say who but really and truly they all do they all have money that's that's why they exist you know they all have money to to give but i i for me what i thought was a lot of money apparently is chump change <laughs> yeah that oh <laughs> uh, that, honestly that part was definitely surprising yeah and me even too not just one one person i was like wait this like i have a friend who has a deal with x company and it was like two hundred thousand dollars for this one developer i'm like what that how wow <laughs> how is that an amount of money that you can get from <laughs> any company how is that possible for but... one for one person but then what that tells me is that if you have a company of like five people or 50 people then how much money you're getting you know mm, that's such <laughs> oh, yeah, a good they, shout they, they have they have all these companies have money like all of them have i gotten the money no <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, have not, I know i have insight on like the, like what i should be asking for when i'm talking to different people yeah no that's a really good shout i've, I've had a similar realization and multiple realizations of just like yeah someone will bring something up and like i didn't even know that was a thing you can sort of get paid for in, in your business yeah, i hadn't thought of that yeah. and like and, yeah and the chump change thing oh I think yeah there was a number yeah. thrown out recently that we heard and me and nigel just looked at each other <laughs> yeah in disbelief at that was the amount of money that was just said mm-hmm. Just mm. casual, so casual, and like even me saying two hundred thousand, that still might be chump change to somebody, you know, because all their deals are like multi-million deals. So it's just, yeah, you know, you never know. Yeah, until, you know. yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely feel that. All right, so you talked about the perception of games, particularly in in Jamaica, and maybe not having that credibility. Um, I don't even know if there's an answer for this, but it's it's actually something that came up with me today as we record. Um, just this idea of there being a stigma around around games still. Why do you think that is? Like, what is that? It, despite it being such a sort of global thing, making speaking of money, making so much money, being at least more in the mainstream than it's ever been, and yet there's this stigma around it. What do you think that is? In Jamaica specifically, I think it's just a lack of education. Yeah, just a lack of a lack of education because they're not seeing that day in day out. They're not seeing like a bunch of Jamaican companies making games and actually being successful. Right. What they are seeing is people playing like Call of Duty or FIFA and spending a ridiculous amount of hours just playing that every single day. And then they're like, oh yeah, that's an idol, that's an idler's thing. That's a, a, a waste man thing. Like why, why are you spending time <laughs> doing this when you should be reading your book? Like, mm. <laughs> that's just how, how they perceive games generally. And I mean, even if, even if you just want to sit and play games, like, People sit and read and, and, you know, watch movies and all that stuff. I don't think games should be seen as some big negative thing either. But on top of that, they just don't, re- they don't, I don't think they think that someone has to make these games and someone gets paid to make these games. And so because it's a big unknown to them, when you say, oh yeah, I'm going to make games because they don't know what that entails and how much money you, you personally can make from that. They don't re- a lot of people don't see it as like a, a profitable business. And on the flip side, the people who do see the profitable business are the ones who only see it from a money perspective and wanted to like make some little mobile cash grab game where it's full filled with ads and loot boxes <laughs> and all the crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they also think it's oh yeah, so it's a quick, easy game to make, right? Like just just make this one real quick. Like so many people have ideas but don't want to do the work to actually make a game. Yeah, I get that. It's a long process. It's a long, yeah. difficult process. So yeah, so I think I think it's just a matter of show not tell. And I mean, I can 
I, I want to help with that, but I think I can only do so much being in New York. Like, I think it's more up to like Glenn and other other people in the community to actually show up and grow and be successful. Mm. And whatever successful means to them, but really in, in Jamaica, successful meaning make money from it so that people can say, oh, yeah, this is something that if my kid says he wants to, he or she wants to do, I'll be fine with it because... I can point at these different developers who are doing it right now. Locally. Yeah, it is that whole thing of like, yeah, I you think have to that's a big see part it. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. So the, the education thing. So yeah, no, it's good that you're working on that. And obviously we mentioned our sort of event aimed at some of that. So, you know, if people can see it, then you can sort of reduce that stigma. Also, the theory right. goes. All right, my last, last question is, what's the best bit of feedback you got from someone playing your games or feedback or response reaction? Uh, from someone who played your game? I mean, thankfully, I, I have, especially with Super Space Club, I've had several of those moments to choose from. It's, mm. it's a lot easier for me to remember, like, of course, with all negative comments, it's, 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 it's easier for me to remember the, the bad comments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you write them down, put which, it on your wall. Thankfully, yeah. all this, I haven't had many, but there was one which I, I just want to share this because I find it so funny. <laughs> There's one, one guy, he came up to the booth and he took up the controller. And he started playing. And then, I kid you not, seven seconds later, he said, yeah, no, I, I hate this. It's not for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it looks beautiful, though, but I hate this. I really hate this game. And I was just like, wow, um, thanks. <laughs> thanks for hate playing. It's such a strong word. Like, <laughs> Wow. It, 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 didn't, it didn't faze me, though, because at least, at least he said, I hate this for me. You know, it was a personal thing. It wasn't, right. he didn't say the game sucked. He just said, I hate this for me. Yeah. I just found it so funny. It literally was seven seconds. It wasn't even, it didn't even make double digits. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think one of the, probably the, one of the best things was not even something that was said, but it was this one, this one kid who came to play at a, a different showcase, a different expo. Um, it was like a, a black kid. He was about nine, maybe. And then he, he just stood and he kept playing. He got like a high score. And then him and his mom went off and they went to play other things. And then he came back and he came back and played again and he went off. And then the next day he came back again. And I was like, <laughs> oh, he really likes the game. Like this is like, he, he, I think he came back just to play like Super Space Club and maybe two other games. Cool. And that made me feel really good because it's like, oh, this is something that people actually do want to play and are enjoying. I know just, just seeing like that excitement on people's face and knowing that I can provide that for them is, is a really nice feeling. Yeah. That's really cool. That is really cool. Like having someone, especially like young people, like come and like just have an uh, attachment to something that you created. Like, you know, we started with talking about creativity. Like, you know, you create right. something, you put it out and it's had that impact on, on somebody that you don't, that you don't know. Right. And even on, on top of that, seeing like there's, cause there's levels to it, right? Like having a young black boy, seeing a black developer make something mm. that he thinks is cool. Mm. That's, that's rare, right? That's not what he's used to seeing yeah so even from true. that level and then someone who's not even from the country it's like so many levels to it you know so <laughs> i i do enjoy i think i think that was probably one of the, my my best moments now it sounds like a great experience best so feedback. yeah all right so on that very positive note we will wrap this interview and say thank you to graham for joining us and yeah updating us on what you've been up to and just giving us more insight into your life as a indie game developer thank you guys so much for having me it's always always fun talking to you no, I appreciate appreciate you spending the time joining us. I appreciate people listening. So if you have enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, you can also give us a quick five-star rating and review. Uh, that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. You can also just share direct links. That works to spread the word. Uh, so we've been talking games, but we make manga. So our latest manga, Serious Through the Fog, is out now. So you can check that out, plus our other titles from the My Matter universe on the website, mymatter.com forward slash manga. Uh, you can also join the Studio 77 Discord uh, for free and consider becoming a member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content uh, from the My Matter universe our do i look like a gamer video game representation campaign is live 
we're launching, well, we have launched this campaign so that future generations of talent will know that there is a place for them in video games. So we want to empower people to be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry. So we have plans in store for the rest of the year. Uh, so check out the photos that we launched with uh, featuring the 40 players and makers uh, and keep an eye out. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have the links and everything for our next event. Uh, and then you can get involved this year, you can get involved when we run this again next year. Uh, and stay tuned for more episodes of the podcast that include creator interviews like these, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address, for those that remember what email is, uh, is feedback at mymatter.com. And our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned, stay safe, and remember, uh, those companies have money. So go think bigger, bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. The money is out there. You just need to go get it. So take care. Start small, think big. Boom. Yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to say. Okay, Start that's, small, I'm going to get big. that tattooed. Instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>